Today is December the 17th, the third week of Advent. Welcome to week three of this Advent journey for the deconstruction crowd. Today's reading is Luke 1, 46-55, which is Mary's Magnificat, or commonly referred to as such. But before we begin, and I'll let you read Luke 1, 46-55 on your own, a brief prayer to start our time. Find a space, wherever you might be, listening to this. If you can, place your feet firmly against the ground. Switch your attention to your breathing. Slow the pace of your breaths while breathing deeper in and out. Linger in this prayer. Inhale, Lord of peacemaking. Exhale, grant us all peace. I've been thinking a lot about peace lately, following the violence in Gaza and Israel. What unique thought can I possibly add to the corpus of material and calls to action already online? And the answer is nothing really. I've also been thinking about how we ought to respond. Though I suppose this makes the assumption we ought to respond. Christians should have a clear direction here. When Jesus shares his core teachings in Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes, peacemaking is explicit. Matthew 5, 9 reads, Happy are people who make peace, because they will be called God's children. If this were a sermon, I might opt for a phrase that says Jesus is calling us to act as peacemakers, not peacetakers. Sounds better in my head. Okay, before we begin, or we have begun, but before we get going further, here's a little theology sidebar. Being called a child of God is a huge deal. The whole point, I think, of the Christian and even Jewish faith is becoming part of God's family, receiving that inheritance. It's one promise to Abraham, which is descendants as numerous as the stars that will be part of God's family, was reimagined by Jesus, and Jesus changed the qualifications to receive the inheritance to those who have the mark of the Holy Spirit, uh, those who confess to the resurrection, and or those who are peacemakers. Matthew 5, 9 again. You catch it? The one action, it's not a belief, but the action attributed to being invited into God's family is peacemaking. That's it. Okay, and theology sidebar. Peacemaking is not static. I think we get that. It's not reduced to an intangible, spiritualized quality passed off as a, say, peaceful spirit, or this isn't a finding a peace of the heart. 
it's attributed to the nitty-gritty process and work of reconciling broken relationships. That's for people or even nations. So with this in mind, I think of all of my mutuals who are disconnected from the on-the-ground offensive in Gaza, yet are doing the work of peacemaking here by speaking up, sharing core voices, calling for peace, petitioning politicians, signing petitions, protesting, so forth. And now comes the question that looms somewhere in the back of our minds, or at least mine. Does any of it actually work? Tangible peacemaking. Personally, I'm a heavy proponent of public policy being a central key to make big changes in public life the fastest. It's the nuts and bolts of how our world works, at least in the West. The implication, however, policy change relies on a few voices with power. The reality is politicians and bureaucrats wield undue decision-making power. The rest of us have to mobilize ways to disrupt this status quo, garnering enough attention to shift the perceived temperature of public opinion. It's easy to get lost in the weeds at this stage, and most probably do. But those who are acting, there's something in the back of our minds when we say, phone our local MP, if you're... In Canada, that's the federal politicians calling the local MP for ceasefire. For us, it's someone who's about to retire and part of a staunch pro-Israel political party. Overall, probably not. But did the thousands of calls to the Prime Minister's office have an impact to shift Canada's vote for yay at the UN calling for ceasefire in Gaza have an impact? Probably yes. Now, your opinions about the UN aside, which is an effective body for a lot of things like health and child welfare, but brutally inept at others like ceasefires, does a yes vote from Canada at the UN even have an impact? That's pretty high up on the food chain of decision making. And the answer is, I, I don't know. Remember, power in all of its forms, and certainly from a geopolitical standpoint, is held by those chosen few. At the UN, that means the member countries with veto power. And America being the primary impediment to any change in Israel's gasp for war. But herein lies the silver lining. Public perceptions in America specifically could, I guess, theoretically sway America. I don't have a pulse on what's happening south of the border, but I get the sense that there is slow incremental changes everywhere, as is typical with every ensuing generation, pertaining to the public perceptions on long-held political persuasions, i.e. America's unbridled military support for Israel. In this way, all of the public protests calling your representatives, for example, uh, which is meticulously tracked, by the way, does matter a great deal. So does voting, although that often feels like a lost cause too. I wonder these days what would happen 
If in this moment a new political party emerged with a platform including tax the rich, feed the poor, ceasefire now, healthcare for all, you know, like real Jesus-y stuff, would that party win? Would the majority of voting Christians hold utter disdain for this type of political party? I don't know. But after all, it might mean the loss of money and power for those chosen few. I'm just curious. This past week, I found solace with the words of my friend Andre Henry. He reminded readers about this stat, and I'm roughly paraphrasing, that no dictatorship has been able to withstand the collective mobilization of a mere 3.5% of the local population. That's uh, nonviolent movements, by the way. In other words, all it takes to topple dictatorships, not merely shifting public policy, is under 3.5% of the people. That seems within reach for the peacemakers. Of course, there's still that brand of cynicism that stifles action. What do I do way over here? Nothing I do will have impact. A lot of folks quit before they even try. Peace, dream on. And I wonder if we in the West have been domesticated to accept having no voice. And here's where I turn back to the peacemakers. It's the peacemakers who raise their voice and do, in fact, dream dreams and visions where the rich are sent away and the powerful brought low. We come full circle to Mary's Magnificat again. Her prophetic words drive me this Advent season and for the past few seasons, I might add. May they compel you as well to reflect on whether Jesus was serious, that peacemaking is for real, a tangible call like the Magnificat, to join God's hope to right wrongs in our midst. The gritty business of reconciling broken relationships into more beautiful ways of being where all can flourish. That would be a suitable Christmas miracle turned reality. Intro and outro by Drew Brown. Pick it up. Hymns for the architect.